Welcome to Antimatter Pod, a conceivably misandrous Star Trek <laughs> podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext, and subspace. Hosted by Annika and Liz. Today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Picard, Broken Things. I was looking at our reviews on Apple Podcasts the other day, and I noticed that we mostly have five-star reviews and a couple of four-stars, and we're very grateful for all of them. And then we have one one-star review, and I, I, I figure someone's just gotten very bored of the misandry joke and wants us to move on. To which I say, never! <laughs> hey, I, I'm trying to, you know, play it fun, you know? It could be, but it could not be. You never yeah, know. Yeah, we're Schrodinger's misandrists. <laughs> this was a really quiet episode, but so much was revealed. Yes, it was one of those episodes where it felt like nothing was going on, and then it ended, and it mm. was like, whoa, look at all this stuff that went on. Like, look at everything that I know now mm. that I didn't know when it started. So much was just people talking. And I really resented the, the switches back to the more action-driven stuff on the Borg Cube. Like, I, I think that could have been its own episode. Yeah, I felt like the Borg Cube sort of got short shrift because of that. You know, it, it didn't really get to the peak excitement. It was just... I'm really good with a gun, and now I have some Borgs that I'm going to take over, and now I'm going to push them all into space, and then everyone leaves. Yeah. It, the end. <laughs> I was thinking that this, a story of Seven of Nine becoming a, a temporary sort of patched together Borg queen would be a two-hour event on Voyager followed by half a season of Consequences, and it felt a little cheap to just make it a subplot. I wanted to know more of what was happening in Seven's head. Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't the point yeah. of the episode. And it almost felt like it was in this episode just so they did have something that was active. Yes. Happening. Yes, that's and it, it exactly. Didn't really, it was just sort of like, we need something to happen so that something happens. How about we have Seven take over the board queue? Yeah. <laughs> we're only going to give it like 10 minutes of screen time. I just feel like after moments like this, I really like having the scene where Seven and Janeway sit and debrief and maybe have a little bit verbal sparring, but we know how they're affected by it. And Seven's relationship with Elnor, I'm stating the obvious, it's quite different from her relationship with Janeway. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> well, when Elnor ran up and, and hugged her. I know. And she was like, okay, I guess I, I'll hug you. I'll hug you back. It's okay. Like, that was a very Janeway moment for me. Yes. So I was like, oh, look, she's acting just like Captain Janeway. She's like, fine, I have another son now. <laughs> it was so cute. Elnor is absolutely so precious. <laughs> And then he's like a killing machine. He's kind of amazing. He's just he's... the most wholesome little murderer. <laughs> it's just, it was just so, so sweet. And he was so excitable. And I have to, so in the flashback scene, we see Nerissa 14 years ago, mm. which is the same amount of time that we saw 
Elnor in his flashback with Picard 14 years ago, and he was a tiny child. And she was in an his adult. Flashback. Yeah. She was exactly the same. So we remember that Vulcans and Romulans age slower than humans. Yes. And so we are think I was thinking of them as as similar in age. But no, but I Elnor think... is a tiny, tiny baby. <laughs> and, and Nerissa calls him a freak, and I'm like, how dare you speak about my son that way? Nerissa doesn't understand Elnor. It's clear. No, and that kind of the the Jatvash versus uh, Kawat Malat whole thing last week. I wish we had a little more explanation of that, but. We learn so much about the Jat Vash and their amazing capes. <laughs> they have amazing capes. I want one. I really wish I knew enough Trekkies in real life to, to do a group pop cosplay. I definitely want to do that whole cosplay. Like, mm. I was super into it. And there's, it's super interesting. They're all women. Yes. <laughs> and... I I want to know, like now they really seem to be the the direct opposition to the co-op Merlot. Like it really seems like they're yeah some, there's something kind of and it's super interesting that there's this whole matriarchal thing going on. Yes, with these fringe groups. Vulcan also had its matriarchy in the past, and mm-hmm. yeah, this this lingering thread of it and this almost pagan approach to secrecy and ceremony it's really really cool and i know we all wanted o to be vulcan but o as a half romulan is also really interesting because the way it's phrased she's a half romulan vulcan which to me suggests that she was raised as a vulcan Vulcan. yeah right yeah and so sort of like savic yeah and I guess she chose ultimately the opposite path, but also still joined Starfleet. And, you know, is she a believer in some aspects of Starfleet's mission? Was her Vulcan training what enabled her to get through the ad- admonition? I have mm. so many I have so many questions about O, and I'm sure they're not going to be answered, and I'm okay with that <laughs> because I'm having fun. You can make up your own answers. I as, you can, know. and I will. It'll be great. It'll be great. I mean, I'm... So excited to have more to work with, with Nerissa. Yes. Because I I already loved her, but she was very much a blank slate caricature of a character. (laughs) And now she's, they're starting to, you know, color in some shading on her and give her more. Yeah. At least more personality and more of, you know, what happened to her and what created the caricature. So it's almost like now the character is her uh, projecting Yes, the character that she wants everyone to see that is not really her. And I'm super into that. So I am now completely ready <laughs> to fill in all any, anything that's left over once uh, they inevitably <laughs> throw Nerissa to the wolves. Yeah, I really love the idea of Nerissa as the orphan girl with a heart of stone who survives the admonition and brings her aunt back only to see her aunt lost and assimilated. And yeah, I think that's really cool. And I wish we had gotten some of this sooner. And I wish that she was less of a villainy McVillain McEvil pants. 
but I like what we have. I think Peyton List could be doing more with the character if the character was better written. Well, I mean, that's that's just sort of a given. It's like a flat statement. Yes. I'm sorry that we keep harping on the writing, but... It's just not very good. There are wonderful ideas, there's some good execution, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of problems. I can't decide if they didn't tell us about Nerissa for effect. Like, her backstory was all tied up in the reveal of all of this yeah. stuff yeah. that is related to the whole mystery box story of, of the whole thing. So it had to be brought in at the end, but I, it just, it feels like, it feels like a forced twist. No, I agree. I think we could have known at least that she and Narek were orphans and taken in by an aunt who introduced them to their philosophy. I think we could have known that a lot sooner. And the twist that the aunt is Ramda and that it was Ramda's assimilation which destroyed the Borg cube because she had the terrible knowledge. <laughs> yeah, the terrible knowledge. See, okay. Well, as long as we're discussing poor writing. Mm -hmm. I really loved Rafi trying to figure everything out. That she's been spending the whole season, you know, yeah. she's even before Picard came together a second time, she like she had various theories way back when when yes. the whole synth thing happens. And so she's been building on these for years and years and years and she's been trying to figure it all out. So I like that Rafi puts it all together and 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 everything is like I'm I'm really I was really glad for Rafi to get the moment of I'm laying this out on the table. Yeah. And it's, it's not a theory, it's fact. Yes. But it I felt like there was something missing because when they had that picnic table meeting <laughs> with all of the characters, mm -hmm. it seemed like all of them had sort of knowledge of what the other people yeah. Like, I didn't understand why everyone knew everything, even yeah. though this was the first time they were all together and talking about it. And it was setting up a situation where, like the holograms, they all had a piece of a piece of the story. Yeah. So why? So that, but that's not how it was presented. It was sort of, I don't know, it was weird. Yeah. It seems weird to me. It, I, that scene, I wanted that scene to be more cohesive, I guess. Yes, because it was really wonderful to watch and I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. But later, thinking about it, it didn't quite hold up. And I don't want to, I don't want to point it at Rafi, but because I love Rafi and I love that she got her moment mm. and I want her that for her. I want the victory for her, even if it's like a shallow victory. No, <laughs> I want no. her to have it. But when she said, you know, I don't even exactly remember what she said, but it was like, and Commodore, oh, blah, 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 blah. How did she and know I was that? Like, How do you know that? Like, <laughs> where did that come from? That was not in your part of the story. What is going on? It made me wonder if O's Romulan background is a known fact in Starfleet and it's just not something people talk about. Like, you know, Rios had forgotten that Picard was a Borg and most people aren't aware that O is half Romulan and, you know, she's been around for decades. You can trust her. She's O. She's Vulcan. <laughs> she's, she's so untrustworthy in every scene we've seen her. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. 
I also just find it hilarious that no one has tried to tell Starfleet. I know, I know. Like, <laughs> they at least like, hey, Admiral Clancy, thank you for not swearing at me. Just a quick update. Uh, with regards to Admiral, with to Commodore O, you know how senior officers have a tendency to be a bit evil. So I assume you've got a plan to deal with this. So good luck with that. It's just like I get that Soji took over the ship, but it still seems like someone could have communicated this right. while that whole thing was happening, and while they were getting to their Borg conduit, yeah, like, they, they had, had plenty of time. And maybe, maybe that's happened off screen, and Clancy will ride into the rescue. Right, exactly. I expect in part two of the finale for this to pay off in that Starfleet comes in and saves the day. But it's annoying to me that what it's being presented as a plot hole in order to preserve the quote-unquote twist yes. of Starfleet coming to the rescue when, come on, from episode one, I'd figured out that Starfleet was going to come to the rescue. It's a lot like the problem in the first episode where Daj just doesn't mention that she has a twin sister. It's, right. It's not natural writing. Oh, well. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't mean to be critical, I really had a good time watching this episode, just as I've had a good time watching most of this series. I'm just looking forward to having a new showrunner who will maybe pay more attention to this. Or, you know, it'll be like Discovery and they'll pay less attention. <laughs> it, was, it was just, little things got in the way of my embracing everything mm. that was happening because I was like come on but again you know if this was a perfect series it would be Deep Space Nine and we would not be having as much fun yelling about it that's true having said that I was thinking I had this dream that Garrick had been in Picard all along but no one recognized him because he had a beard and I woke up sort of in the mood to watch some Deep Space Nine so maybe when this season is finished if we have some time we should do an episode on a Deep Space Nine episode Sounds good. Yeah. Because, you know, it's... I'm just kind of in the mood to watch it for some reason. We'll have it in the wings. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I'm just looking through our list, our, our outline, because yes. we've sort of gone, gone a bit awry. We've gone off and off and off and off. It's okay. That's mm. okay. It's fine. Narek is still following them into the conduit, but he didn't even appear this 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 week. Nope. Did you miss he, him? Just his little ship. Just his little ship. <laughs> his little ship appeared and said, "Hey, I'm still here, guys." Don't forget. And we have to. We have to wonder how <laughs> he was following them. We really do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if uh, Rafi does not seem like the person who would take the the ship out and then not destroy it, <laughs> like. I got the feeling that it was just, it was at this point just isotopes in her bloodstream and the neurotoxin destroyed it, her being Agnes. But Chabon Chabon said on his Instagram in his Q&A that uh, Narek just deduced that they would be going to the Borg conduits. Of course. Yeah. And I. Because Narek Narek definitely appears that smart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's a very clever man. it, Maybe his fidget spinner told him where to go. <laughs> that that is what a holocron does. I was going to gonna say it's a wayfinder. <laughs> uh, I just think that storytelling via Instagram Q and A is <laughs> inappropriate for the medium of television. I guess 
stop laughing. I'm so sorry. No! And this was not a funny episode. Uh, <laughs> it was really very little funny. Just the, the holograms. The stuff and even the they holograms. were kind of sad. They were sad, but they were also hilarious and sort of tonally totally off key but i really enjoyed it and it felt a bit like star um stardust city rag in that respect where you have these terrible mm, things mm-hmm. happening and also the zany costumes and here you have these terrible secrets coming to light but also comedy accents and national stereotypes <laughs> I, honestly i don't know why i'm laughing so much maybe it's because i made you cry last week and yeah it's <laughs> i i'll be honest I'm a little stressed out. Really? The, 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 the world, the state of the world is getting me a little little down every now and then. I but have... Star Trek is here to try to make it <laughs> brighter as much as it can. I keep thinking of all those episodes where Beverly or McCoy or Bashir swoop in and cure a pandemic in 45 minutes. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. So, where were we? Oh, Rios and his, and his holograms. So, yes. I like Rafi's idea that each of them is like a little bit of Rios. Yes, whether he wants them uh, to be or not. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And it is sort of, so it was nine years ago. About that, he, that, yeah. About that he got the ship and that's a pretty long time. For a hologram to be gathering information, such yeah. as it is, about a yeah. person and 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 building their personality, so that's I kind of I, I liked it. I liked that idea. It it was in line with how I always looked at Rios and his holograms. Yeah, yeah, and it makes a certain amount of psychological sense that one he would do this out of trauma, unconsciously, and two mm-hmm. that then having the holograms would sort of keep him from moving on and recovering. Like, I think the hospitality mm. hologram puts it on, um, hits it on the head when he says maybe Rios needs to confide in someone who doesn't look exactly like him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so he's, like Rafi in a way, he has put himself in a position of stagnation for a decade. Yeah, I kind of actually really like this idea that Rafi and Rios are very close and have never talked about anything personal. Like, yeah. That is one of my favorite <laughs> concepts in friendship because it, it like it's the the veneer of this close personal relationship and but it's it's like it's a shadow. It's not really there and and you have to build a close personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But they because they have that, because they have the emotional connection already they like she was the one who was able to talk to him and get him to open up to her and yeah and it it wasn't weird it wasn't scary because she was recognizable to him as this is my close friend yes and she did it you know a couple episodes back with him too and so i like i really like the two of them building this relationship now that we're watching it it's it's weird and it's all—it's almost a little bit too pat and too neat, but I love it. Yes, I agree with all of that. And normally, you know, if a character is told not to help and then they go digging around in another that other character's past and uncover their secret, I find that really intrusive. 
But here it worked. And I think it's partially because the stakes were higher than just my friend is sad. It's my friend is sad and that is somehow related to the overall plot, which is something of a coincidence. But I guess I've seen a lot of base is not comments. that big. Right. That's what that's what those are the comments that I've seen. This base is not that big. And I know that is a an ongoing complaint of mm. many people. Well, it sort of makes sense in a way because, like, Rios's experience pushed him to the fringe of Federation society where Rafi already was. And so it's not so much here is a random guy who happened to have a past with synths, with a synth. It's here is a random guy who was already on the cusp of, of this conspiracy theory subculture. It's still very coincidental, though. It is very coincidental. It's This is the story where these are the people that are the main characters mm. in the story that we're watching. Like, what are they going to do? They, are they going to they're gonna include another character that comes in just for one episode that has that part and then yeah, you know, yeah. gives them that information and then leaves? Like, that would, that would seem weird and intrusive, too. Right, so. right. It was weird enough having Kestra's off-screen Captain Friend. Right, exactly. So, so I don't know what I don't know what is the, the alternative that would be better. I guess no. because now I, I didn't care about Rios's past at all. I think I said this in yeah, our same. episode that introduced him that I was mm. like, I'm way interested in who he is and what he's doing and what he does with the people here now and his relationship with them, but I don't really care about his deep, dark past. Mm. But now, because it's connected to what we're all doing, right. I do care about his deep, dark past. And knowing that his wonderful captain served with Marta from the episode Tapestry, Picard's old friend that he never hooked up with in this timeline, that's another connection. And again, Starfleet is a small community. I mean, it's a big fleet, but as a community, I think, you know, you tend to come across the same names and faces. That's that's another point of connection. And I still don't find Rios terribly interesting as a character. Like, he's sad, so he sits in his room and gets drunk and plays records. Like His book collection, like, I cannot he is with the books in this show. The <laughs> most insufferable hipster. <laughs> yes, that is, that is exactly how I would put it. Yeah, he is... The guy who gets coronavirus because he went to a very sad music festival. <laughs> it, it was just, it, there was, so, and I, I know, I know, show don't tell and all that. And we're going to like, so mm. we're going to do a pan of his room to show you all of his things that tell us something about him. And it was, but it, you know, he said the, the holograms were racial stereotypes. Mm. Like this was cliches of a sad boy yeah sailor yeah. you know like mermaids really like i just i can't i kind of like the mermaid thing because it means that deep down on some level rios is a 13 year old girl uh, and also he 100 percent owns at least one really obscene mermaid porn hologram Hollow novel yeah. oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah uh but other than that, no. But but the revelations are interesting, and I think Santiago Cabrera's performance is really good, and I can see why people like him. He's just not a character type that I find particularly exciting. I, I like him as part of the ensemble, but I wouldn't watch a show where he was the lead. 
That's fair. I also 100% believe that Emmett has banged every single of the <laughs> other hologram. <laughs> Emmett really, he's hilarious. <laughs> that man, if you look at him too closely, you will get syphilis. He's the most sailor of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. The bit where Rios is like, oh, in my head I called my captain dad. You are a grown man. Like, <laughs> you should be seeking therapy about this issue. How old do you think he is? Because they, they were, like, he was like, oh, look how young he is. But, like, they, the picture with him and Jana. Yeah. Like, I guess they're saying that he was meant to be the same age as Soji is now or appears to be yeah she actually is so like late 20s I guess I don't know how old Santiago Cabrera is that would give us a starting point yeah I don't know how old he is hmm. but the it's all yes it, I, but also I have met 20 year old men who are desperately looking for a father figure it's true it's true so it doesn't seem completely unrealistic yeah. Um, and I guess we don't really know how long he was there. He could have been That's like his true. first his first posting when he was right out of the academy at like 22. Right, so, but at some point he was also the first officer on this ship. Like maybe he was there for his entire career. I don't I mean if it was a small enough ship, yeah. he could have gone from ensign to first officer in whatever 8 years. Stop taunting Harry Kim like this. That wasn't... Well, that was a pretty small ship. But... <laughs> Jamie was just mean. I don't know. <laughs> I can't explain it. Were you afraid when he recognised Soji that it would turn out that he'd had an affair with one of the android sisters? Yes. Yes, I was. Same. Yes, I, was. I was so opposed to that idea. I'm so it, glad. I was, I was just like, you know, how many... And this is me. I want every relationship to happen. <laughs> but it was starting to feel like weirdly incestuous. Right, right. It wasn't just that everyone is connected. It's that everyone had a strange relationship with them. Oh, this reminds me that when Picard said lover, I just wanted to throw up. Oh, I know. Please never say that word. Not in relation <laughs> you know, when... to Bruce Maddox. Not in relation to <laughs> when... anyone. The, the, the Hermione... Excuse me, I have to go vomit. Mm. <laughs> Reaction gif from the sixth Harry Potter movie. Yeah. yeah. That was me. No, Hardcore. no, me too. Just say partner. Partner is a good word. Gross. Yeah, it was the way, like, the connotations mm. of he was your mentor and your lover. Ew. And I realise that Picard is no. judging her pretty hard for the murder, but... Just right. Don't right. say that. You murdered your mentor and your lover. Like everything about that was just really, really upsetting to me. I know. And I just did. I was like, stop. I don't want to hear Picard saying those words. No, I would like to erase them from my memory, please. And so, like that was why I was against the idea of. And I mean, it's not not there because. 
they could it could be like you know she was cute and i liked her for the half hour that we knew each other sure but and, and so she, and so because she was wrapped up in this weird horrible thing that happened to me she was like my dream girl mm. kind of thing like i can see this but i'm glad they didn't go there yeah but it, it was none of that was explicit or even suggested mm. and so you can sort of decide what you want it to be I'm really curious to see who they're going to have playing the the male type of Maddox Sung android, the beautiful flower type, because that name evokes such an image for a male character. Like you picture someone more like Elnor. Mm. And then I saw someone suggest that they'll be played by Brent Spiner and it was like, they're called Scratch? <laughs> yeah. And no I like it. To Brent Spiner, yeah. but... He is not a beautiful flower. And also, why would you, like, that doesn't make sense to me. What, if I was Bruce Maddox, mm. which thank God I'm not. Thank God. I would I not do Bruce a podcast Maddox, with Bruce Maddox. Actually, now that I'm saying it, maybe I just, like, okay, if I was Bruce Maddox, I would definitely make the male androids look like myself. <laughs> so. That is like, the, the traditional. I'm, I'm speaking out loud as I, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking out loud as I'm saying all of this. But what I was going to say was that I wouldn't make like, I definitely wouldn't make Data because I was trying to make my androids, yeah. right? The Maddox androids, not the Sun androids. Mm. So I wouldn't make it like Data. And if you look at Soji, I mean, she looks a lot like Lol. So there's something weird, like something happens yeah. there. But Lol chose how she looked, so did the like... I don't know. There's a, right. lot, there's a lot of questions. And, and she doesn't look precisely like Lala. Like they have similar features, but Issa Briones is half Filipino and has right. green eyes. Yes. So, She's... yeah. When she says to Agnes, I also have a mole on my chest, did you feel like the next the next step is them making out? <laughs> um, I mean, no, but I, I'm, I'm cool with it going there. <laughs> it just felt like... A line that really ought to launch a thousand ships. Mm-hmm. And there's something wrong with my pinky. It's crooked. It was, I mean, that was a great... Alison Pill just continues to... I know! Really, every single line is so well done. I, I cannot get over how good she is in this show. No, and Issa Briones has so little experience and so much talent. It's absolutely amazing to watch them together. That scene was amazing. Yeah. And this, the scene, also the scene with Soji and Picard is amazing as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, so many long, quiet scenes in this episode. And then the yes. bang, bang, shooty, Borg stuff. <laughs> bang, bang, shooty. And Nerissa, Nerissa Erasure. Uh, I'm sorry, yes. She needs I guess she gun. was shooting the Borg, so yeah. it sort of counts. But I feel like she was more important. Yes. She is a magnificent murder queen. Speaking of shipping, seven and I put Nerissa? in my little list here, let's ship Seven and Nerissa, shall we? I'm just, I'm just saying. Well, Nerissa <laughs> is aware of Seven because she's she can guess which Fenris Ranger exactly. would be coming to Hugh's rescue. And so, one, I would like to know how Seven knows Hugh, but maybe Nerissa's paths have Ugh. crossed with Seven's before? I'm really upset about Seven and Hugh now. I know. He was her brother. 
Not in a weird Narek and Nerissa way. <laughs> Definitely not in a weird Narek and Nerissa way. No. But, yeah. I, I, but, I, you know, I am totes for some enemies to lover. Mm. Seven and Nerissa. That could happen. Like, if you made the fic long enough, you could really add a lot to Nerissa. And yeah, it, that, that would parallel with Seven. Yeah, yeah, because she too was raised from a young age in a particular culture and the admonishment, I think, planting ideas in a person's head or planting knowledge in a person's head must be quite similar to assimilation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We could really do mm. something with this. I can make it happen. Please. Maybe Nerissa will escape whatever fate lies in store for her. And... I mean, she has gotten good at beaming out at the last moment. <laughs> I know, I know. When the XBs controlled by Seven were just closing in over her, I was like, this is very cheesy and a bit like something from a 1930s horror film. Zombie. But, yeah, movie. yeah, but also kind of intense. It just reminded me super, I was, I, I, not that I've been watching zombie movies lately. Certainly not. But... It was very reminiscent of a zombie film or the Mockingjay yeah. film when the mutts, people, oh, yes. the mutt people in, in the tunnels take and like kill Finnick and all of them. I had repressed that. That was that. awful. That was so it was pretty awful, but it was it was that same sort of like they are a little bit faster than they should be. Yeah, and you don't expect the Borg to be fast. No. Yeah, I think so it's it really like that. it's really sensible to call back to zombie movies with the Borg. And the twist, I guess, is that here they're not outright villains. In the, in our Discord, someone asked, "Is it bad that I'm I was I was rooting for the Borg?" And in my mind, I was like, "Look, I'm always rooting for the Cylons, so so no." So here we hit an amusing little technical problem where my audio just didn't record. No error message or anything like that popped up, just a blank space in the middle of a conversation. So what we missed was Arnika saying that she doesn't think that the theory linking control to the whole Jat Vash AI business had been disproved because we see Ariam in the, or someone very like her in the Jatvash vision, in the ad admonishment. And I said, no, apparently, according to Che Bon's Instagram, uh, source of all knowledge, it's just people interpreting the vision through their own knowledge and experience. And then we had a rant about like how Romulans would even know about Ariam and all of that. Uh, but the point was that Annika strongly dislikes, and rightfully so, uh, storytelling where you need this supplementary material to make sense of it, and really this stuff has just been thrown in because it's a cool visual and doesn't add anything to the story. And I tried to include her side of the rant, but it was very, very disjointed without me going, hmm, yeah, no, totally, agreed. So we're just going to cut forward a few minutes and uh, move on to the bit where we talk about Game of Thrones for a while. I want the narrative to make sense. I want it to be a cohesive story that has a 
it starts here and then it goes out. It doesn't even have to have a middle and an end, but it does have to have a beginning and it has to have a progression that makes sense and throwing random things out to try to confuse the issue so that the audience doesn't guess the secret is making me livid and crazy. It comes back to, again, the sort of surprise, she's a Palpatine storytelling of the of the rise of Skywalker and the lol what's his faces the king of Westeros now and just, just because it's a twist doesn't make it good and no if it's impossible to see it coming then it was a bad story then you yeah. didn't tell the story well because the whole point of these twists is that you can guess them because yeah. the story is going there. Like, if it comes out of nowhere, it's not a twist. It's a failure. Again, I have called poor, poor showrunner like a failure three times now, but I'm sorry. This is how I feel. No, no. It's like, it's shocking at the end of season one of Game of Thrones or the first, ep or the first book when Ned Stark is executed, but it makes perfect sense in terms of the, the rules of the world that has been created and exactly. the motivations of all the characters. It's only shocking because he, we thought he was the hero. Like right. Agnes being what, who and what she is is shocking because we thought she was the Manic Pixie science girl. But it's, that doesn't make it bad. It just means that we were mistaken about the rules that we were following. And the story still makes sense, aside from the sleeping with Maddox thing. I do not ship Ned Stark and Maddox. But... <laughs> I hope somebody out there takes up that, 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 that glove you just threw down. Yeah. <laughs> Challenge issued. But... but Right. I, I just, the story needs to, the, it has to be an actual narrative. Mm. And you're, yeah, absolutely. Don't, the rise, the problem with the rise of Skywalker <laughs> is that it doesn't just fail to resolve the sequel trilogy. It screws up the whole rest of Star Wars. <laughs> Right. By by telling you all of this stuff that you believed Star Wars is about is was is not, and it's about this other thing instead. You know the the path that you're following, the things that you believed mm. about how the systems were broken, and and they everybody had to learn, and everybody had to find their own hope, and every everybody had to find balance. All none of that is true. It's just. We're going to, you know, I don't even know. Again, I don't even know what that movie's about. I can't wait to get out on digital and try to figure it out. Wow, but, you are a more generous person than I am. Well, Star Wars is very important to me. <laughs> and I also need to make videos. That's fair. I'm very excited to use the footage for videos because a lot of pretty people in a lot of pretty scenes. Terrible mm. lighting, but pretty oh, scenes. Oh, God. Yeah. But no, no, you're right. And it's like this whole thing of, oh, Palpatine survived Anakin's attack. Yeah. In... No, he didn't. Sorry, I'm just, again. And, and then the novelization comes out. Surprise, he's a clone. Right. It was revealed in stuff that was not in the movie, and it was not explained in the movie at all. It was no. just, surprise, 
Palpatine's here. Like, I think Poe actually has a line that's like, somehow, Palpatine's alive. <laughs> it's just like, that is the laziest writing I've ever seen. But <laughs> this is what I'm saying about it screwing up everything else, is that Anakin's entire storyline... And I would just like to take this moment to remind everyone that Anakin Skywalker is my favorite character in all of fiction. And your semi-namesake. And my semi-namesake. And they took Anakin's storyline, which is that he fell and then was redeemed by this one act of killing Palpatine. Mm. And, and said, that his entire oh, well. arc was about Palpatine manipulating him. Right, and so he was rising to, up to against his that. abuser. His, like, a person that that started grooming him from the time he was nine years mm. old to become a monster. And he rose up and finally found the strength to pitch him over into a pit mm. and end an empire that he spent his whole life building. But according to this movie, none of that happened. So J.J. Abrams can get in the bin. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, it didn't just screw up Ray's story or Ben's story or Poe's story or Finn's story, even though it definitely did that. But it also screwed up Anakin's story and Luke's story and Leia's story. Like, literally everyone. It really is extraordinary how bad that movie was. And I think we can safely say that for all of the considerable flaws of Star Trek Picard, it is not as bad as Riders of Skywalker. It hasn't done that yet. We still have two episodes to go. But I can't even imagine how they would do it. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. Surprise, Soji is a Palpatine? And like, Game of Thrones at least has some characters had a good ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some. <laughs> there were a bunch that didn't make sense, but like Sansa, who I really loved. I loved Sansa, and she got a really good arc. If right. You, if, you, if you only watch Sansa... <laughs> <laughs> it's a good show I think Sansa and Arya had a really good arc and I didn't mind Brienne's I just didn't like killing Jamie the way they did like I expected him to die and for reason for all the usual reasons I thought that was lazy but I didn't I, I knew it was coming I just thought it would be good I'm still angry Cersei's dead so yeah are you going to write a Nerissa Cersei crossover Oh, absolutely. Mm. I, ha I started my list. <laughs> I just think either pointy-eared Lannisters on Romulus or... Right? <laughs> the secret cabal of, of lady warriors protecting Cersei in Westeros. And, and, and saves her from that whole mess that mm. <laughs> happens in canon. Yep. It's yep. happening. Looking forward to it. We are wildly off topic. <laughs> we are so wildly off topic. But I think that the point of that whole rant was that as much as I complain about the writing in Star Trek Picard, <laughs> it's could it's be not worse. that bad. Things, things, things could be worse. Mm. And, and they have thus far avoided those pitfalls. But yes. They, they've they have not avoided the pitfall of I have to explain what's going on in my show on instagram seriously do not think it was a good idea to give this series to a novel a novice showrunner so let's talk about what we think is going to happen next so i don't know exactly what's going to happen except that there will be some sort of space fight and seven of nine is going to rock up in her new cube to save everyone 
<laughs> seven of nine. I got me a board cube now. <laughs> I'm the very best Fenris Ranger. You know, last week at the end of the episode, I was like, I kind of want fic where Seven steals the Borg cube and Janeway has to kind of <laughs> smooth over the diplomatic implications of a Fenris Ranger stealing a Romulan Borg cube. I did not expect the theft to happen in real actual mm-hmm. show. <laughs> I mean, we definitely need to get Elnor back yes. with the rest of them. So they can't just be hanging out over there on their reactivated, deactivated board <laughs> No. So, and what's she going to do? She can't take it to Earth. People will object. And they also are, like, specifically using the Borg transit system. Yes. Yes. So I assume that So they, Seven... that's how they can find her, right? Yeah. Because Seven can connect to the Borg cube and be like, oh, our ship just went through blah, blah, blah. Mm. Conduit. <laughs> hey, that looks like a lost cause. You want to go help? I don't know what's happening to all the Federation citizens on that cube, but I, I hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm. What, what, I mean, definitely, Nerissa's plan was to just destroy everything. Like, right. She was definitely going to be like, self-destruct and, and escape on my, you know, go, go to yeah. the, destroy the next planet. It wasn't even clear if she was evacuating the Romulan citizens. Yeah, because she she seems to be just sort of grabbing people and and saying, "Okay, you work for me now," and then letting them go off. It was mm. it was very strange. She Dear was... Oscar Romulan manager, <laughs> I'm I'm sad that her her little guy, who was also Narek's little guy, seems to have been destroyed. I know. He, se- he seemed like he was just caught up in this whole mess. I, I feel like he was not actually bad. He's he was just, just stuck regular, in a dead-end job. That... A regular centurion doing his best. Doing his job. Yeah. He didn't ask to be caught up in all this Tal Shiar Jat Fash nonsense. He just wanted to earn a paycheck and be a good little Romulan citizen. It's just sad. I know. Uh, if they've left Ramda... On, yeah, on the cube. Right. I assume that's what's going to connect the the Seven and Elnor subplot to the Soji subplot. She's definitely... Because they didn't show her dying. They didn't show her dying and they didn't show her escaping with Nerissa. Right, so I think that she's definitely coming into play mm. in some way. Isn't it kind of crazy that Ramda's... Memory of the admonition was enough to destroy the Borg. Is that like a? Is it a callback to I Borg? Like you know, one crazy thing can. I think it's that, and also the wonderful Star Trek tradition of logicking computers to death, <laughs> and also because the Borg have a strong AI component. The, the emotions behind Ramda's experience must have just shattered them, however briefly, and that was... And that was enough. But so is if, if there is a super race of beings mm. that hate all AI mm. enough to come and destroy you if you create one, yeah. why haven't they destroyed the Borg? <sighs> That's a good question. 
And I almost wondered if this was going to be the origin of the Borg, that the people who left this message had accidentally created the Borg and were then in turn destroyed. But I feel like cyborgs and hive minds are slightly different to an AI. And it's also not clear to me if the destroyer is an external force or an AI itself that will turn against organic life. And if it's the latter, that is once again Mass Effect and Chabon is saying on Instagram that he has never heard of it. And I don't doubt it because honestly Mass Effect is not the most original story and it's a franchise that sort of mugs other franchises for their tropes. But the similarities really are remarkable. I'm thinking of finding a good playthrough on YouTube just to throw in the show notes so you could all appreciate how correct I am. <laughs> it's this very strange deus ex machina that they've set up here. Yeah. It's like there's a, a intelligence and we don't know if it's... Uh, artificial or organic, but there is an intelligence that is so old and so powerful that it can monitor the entire galaxy for when people start to create artificial intelligence and then it destroys all. I, I, none of that makes sense to me. No, which is why I think that the destroyer that, that Agnes speaks of arises from within the synths themselves or within the AI itself, and it inevitably becomes Skynet. Or so she, so she and the Jatvash believe. But so then is it, is it like, it's an ancient artificial intelligence that, that destroyed its organics and now goes through the universe destroying all other organics? I think maybe it's, they believe it's a force that is inherent to all synthetic life and isn't, waiting around for other races to develop a synth it's just an inevitability of the concept but that like that to me i don't agree with it's very fatalistic and like the card says history is in the past so you're but... saying there isn't this other this this thing it's just that the ai are like soji soji yeah. is going to destroy all organic life even though literally the plot that we have just figured out is that the romulans tricked the sense into doing it yeah look i'm so like i'm just saying that is stupid and yes. I, the romulans have never been known for their intelligence that is an outrageous slur <laughs> but accurate so i get it <laughs> but it's just that is ridiculous it's definitely not as clever as it thinks <laughs> I, again, I, this is where I have to say, look, I'm on the side of the Cylons. <laughs> yeah, humanity, look, does, humanity doesn't deserve to be alive, okay? That's sort of, this is not remotely what Picard says, but in the end with Rios, when he says Starfleet did fail, that, that was my favourite bit out of an episode full of scenes I really loved. Because yes, they did not have to ban the synths and they did not have to react out of fear and... Just because you are manipulated doesn't mean you're without responsibility. That's like the uh, fool me once, mm. shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, right? Because... Right. But they didn't even have to be, like, once was enough. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, they definitely, 
and that's all that's almost convenient too a lot of people have complained that Starfleet wouldn't do that and I'm not saying that they're right because that whole argument is silly Starfleet doesn't exist so Starfleet does whatever the story is about yeah Starfleet but the and I and also we I mean <laughs> I, hey look at the world right now yeah we make really terrible decisions when we want to avoid something happening. Right, so the synth band makes perfect sense. Yes. But it's also a betrayal of ideals and ultimately of ethics. And right, and even if you're, if you're saying that it's an allegory to the Patriot Act, like, eventually we started chipping away with that so that it wouldn't have that power anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's no indication that that's true in Star Trek. No, but I feel like the story we're seeing is that chipping is away. Is the chipping away. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I just I just appreciated that this is a story of external manipulation, but that, that it doesn't let the Federation off the hook. Off the hook. And yeah. O is still half Vulcan and all of that. I, I feel like it's not yeah. precisely how I wanted the story to go, but this is it's better this is where than I, I feared. Where I again have to make my pitch for Narek being a good person who joins the Merry Band. Or Nerissa, but I don't think she mm. has a chance. Because... Nerissa can join the Fenris Rangers and Seven we... will reluctantly teach her how to be a good person. Then they'll Okay, kiss. I'm adding that to my list too. But because we really, really, really need a Romulan to... We need we need it to be, we made mistakes on the Federation side, and now we are going to fix them. And we need a Romulan to be like, we, we I made, made mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and now I'm going to work to fix them. Like, we need that. And it can't come from the Romulans that are already on the Federation side. No. No. It needs to be someone who was a true believer and an active participant within the timeline of the show. Like, that's the way that we move forward mm. from this. I was trying to figure out how this could possibly end for Agnes and Narek. And I would not have a problem with Agnes, like, going to jail and then returning in a future season or being released to Picard's custody for something-something plot reasons in season two. Yeah. Like, I think that would be really cool. But I'm wondering if she'll choose to stay behind on the synth homeworld and... I am wondering if maybe Narek will choose to join her as their protector. That's interesting. Like, I have no... This is not a prediction based on evidence or anything. It's just a potentially interesting way to end the story. Yeah. And it also kind of... If Soji stays with Picard, it kind of redeems Narek but removes her from her life. Removes mm -hmm. him from her life. Mm -hmm. I like the idea of Agnes staying with the sense and Soji not. Yes, yes, because Agnes is in a sense their mother in that she conceived the idea of fractal, positronic, something, something <laughs> or other. And yeah, I, I, this is her life's work. And if she, she has been so broken by what O did to her and what she has done herself that you know, she can go to prison and she can atone that way, or she can essentially work off her debt. And maybe Rhonda stays with them too. That would be nice. Rhonda, I like Rhonda. Because 
if she was able to address her trauma in some way. Yeah, yeah. And and then she could, you know, way back when, when Soji was basically doing my thesis for me, <laughs> she could, you know, that that could come back in. Because I really liked that. And it yeah. was sort of related to Hugh's work too. And, and so I, I want that, I don't want those threads to just sort of be gone now that, Soji isn't Dr. Soji Asha and Hugh is dead. Like, I want those threads to still exist. And yes. Ramda is still here. So I feel like she could be the one who could bring them. And teaching the synths how to, how to create their own mythology. She doesn't mm. like that word. But you know she what doesn't I mean. like that word. Would would be a way, you know, a way to to sort of make them more human, quote unquote. But... <laughs> in their own unique way. So what I wanted for Ramda was for her to move to Chateau Picard and teach Picard about Romulan not mythology and hang out with Laris and Shaban and tell Laris all about the Jat Vash. I, but, I wouldn't mind that. I look, mean, I think that would be maybe nicer for her. Yeah. That would be nicer for her personally. But I think <laughs> for the universe as a whole, she would do better works. If yes, I think in terms of the plot, your idea is better. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, yeah. Should we wrap up? This I think, is. I think. I think we're good. Yeah, this is a bit I shorter got, than I last got week, but quite a few rants in. But I didn't cry. No, so. no. Then we should definitely stop before you start crying. <laughs> before I start crying. Thank you for listening to Antimatter Pod. You can find our show notes at at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You can also follow us on at antimatterpod. Sometimes we post cat pictures and questions for our audience. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. Unless it's a one-star review because you're tired of the misandry joke. You can keep that to yourself. Join us next week for episode 8 of Star Trek Picard. Oh, I studied Latin for this moment. I'm prepared. Et in Arcadio Ego, part 1. It's a painting. Is it? Yes. It's a painting about death. The, oh, the good. personification of death is uh, even in par- even in paradise death exists. It's basically. Well, so. I assumed it was a poem, so I'm a cultured swine. But that's very interesting. So, coming up next week, death. Death! <laughs> <laughs>